The following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Go to ProWrestlingOnly.com to enjoy other fine podcasts, as well as match reviews, book reviews, video game reviews, and of course our forums. Let's start the show. Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway. Over here at ProWrestlingOnly.com. I am your host, your troubadour upon Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined by my ever-faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you this fine evening, sir? I am very good today. How are you? Uh, I've had a day that has set me up for an absolute <laughs> fall uh, on this podcast, because just before... Uh, going to record I went to the 20th anniversary screening of The Matrix because obviously wrestling from 1998 just isn't enough you have to watch movies from well 1999 but still yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what that movie still holds up I'm a big fan It's uh, it was I was saying to you earlier on it's the last movie I remember watching on VHS mm. um, for those of you who are too young to remember VHS I won't spoil the surprise Google it <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, and it was the first. It was the first. It was one of the first three, if not the first DVD I ever bought. Uh, I don't know if I said it on this program. This is the the problem with doing more than one podcast is that you kind of lose track of what anecdotes you've given. Where else? Do you know what my first three DVDs were, Lee? <sighs> Should I guess? I don't think you will. I guess. probably won't because I'm not a big cinema fan the way you will be. So yeah, yeah. Well, obviously you're saying the Matrix is one, so that's one. Down. Yeah. So the Matrix is one. Uh, Fellowship of the Ring is one. Okay. Uh, and then the other one, which is the one that nobody would guess, is uh, Gone in sixty seconds, the Nicolas Cage epic. Wow. That which is that is a very two thousand and two playlist. Yeah, that is, it's like my favorite definitely bad movie, because like, I watch it and I know it's terrible, but I love it so much, which probably explains the psychosis of me wanting to start a podcast about WCW Thunder, Yeah, that I can get such enjoyment out of something that I know for a fact is bad. We're really learning a lot about your awful taste and things recently. Yeah, there's less of a podcast, more of like a therapist's couch. Yeah, Jesus. I, I couldn't even tell you what the first DVD bought, I bought was. It was probably actually a WWF pay-per-view. <laughs> um, I Yeah, I had, like... I'm, I know not long after those, I think the first wrestling DVDs I owned. So I had that WrestleMania The Insider Story book that came with a DVD. Okay. Um, And then the first wrestling DVDs I bought... I had a thing about buying Survivor Series... Um, so I had, I think my first two DVDs, wrestling DVDs might have been Survivor Series 01 and 02, um, which like to say wildly varying in quality would be to put it mildly. Well, I mean, 2002 has the Elimination Chamber. It's not all bad. Yeah. 
But yeah, 2001. Winner take all. <laughs> winner, winner, winner take all. <laughs> I like that, that show. I think it was like, was it Puddle of Mud was the theme song Tuddle, to that? Puddle of Mud was the theme song for every pay-per-view in 2001. Yeah. And I won't and, have anyone tell me what it was. <laughs> and 2002 Survivor Series, I believe, was Saliva. Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah, because that was the one where they played Jericho oh, yeah, to the ring. King of the World. King of My world, world, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but their other song... Um, Oh fuck! I can't remember the name of it now. It's gonna kill me. Saliva. Um, oh, whatever it was, I remember it because, like, I remember distinctly because Shawn Michaels is my favorite wrestler of all time, and he won the world title, and it was very emotional for me. Uh, that show, so it always has a soft spot in my heart. There, um, there, and also, sal- Brock lost. Saliva wasn't bodies. That was drowning pool, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was right. Dr- oh, always was the name. Of the always, song. that's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. Wow, that really took a turn I was not necessarily <laughs> expecting. We're actually here to talk about a completely different company, uh, WCW, as as we so often are. But we do have one little announcement that has happened in the two weeks uh, since our last program, is that you and I are competing on behalf of the honour of WCW Thunder in a bowling tournament. Play. We are, and unfortunately Disco Inferno was not available to be the toured man. He was not. Uh, so and we the, uh, were announced. I was just going to say, and, and neither was Viscera, sadly. No, s- sadly. Uh... <laughs> so Big Dave got that scoop wrong. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, we, yeah, we were happy to be uh, honoured to be the second official team announced uh, and the first non-wrestler team <laughs> to be announced for the Oberhausen Open 3 taking place over World Tag Festival weekend in Oberhausen, Germany. Um, our our friends the Sayers organized uh, this tournament they, it was a trios edition where anybody could take part and I said well we call Lee Stagger Lee Malone we love a bit of cheap free advertising we're, we're shameless we are hussies for a bit of advertisement here I've always said it we'll do anting for the pop anting for the clicks easily, easily um, co-opted we'll, we'll sell anything oh. Oh my God, we, we we will hawk any sort of shite. If Stamps.com are listening, just <laughs> you, you got my number. I am, I am, hang on, I hang on. Tell Why everybody. have Stamps.com got your number? Sta- no, well, I, I hope they do. <laughs> Sta- they, con- they control the post lead. There's no limit to what they know. Stamps.com are listening right now. Um... But yeah, we were the the second team announced. We thought that uh, we love a bit of publicity for the podcast. We'll we'll do anything for that. So um, we call Lee Stagger Liam alone. Why not go as the Thunder Broadcast Team? So yourself as Stagger Liam alone, myself as Dave the Brain Ryan, and friend of the show Bose Johnny as Tony Bose Johnny uh, are going to go uh, as the Thunder Broadcast Team. The Thunder um, Buddies, I believe, are the, the official name is our official moniker. The, the Thunder Buddies uh, a, a brilliant logo you can see uh, I think we retweeted on our feed we did uh, from DZ Designs friend of the show DZ um, I'm very happy with how that turned out um, and yeah we're going to um, I have tentative plans to buy a very cheap suit and uh, something I hadn't told you that I had meant to tell you is that I actually found a deal on wigs on Amazon. Uh, really cheap, like 80s, 90s looking wigs. Uh, so I think we'll be in luck for the recreating the hairstyles well, of the Thunder Broadcast team. Well, I think we can safely say that I will probably need a wig if I want to look like Lee Marshall. 
<laughs> this is this is fair. This is fair. And I have no intention of dyeing my hair blonde. Ah, I can tell you that much. Boo. Yeah. I, and my hair does my hair does grow grow quick, but I don't know if I can get the the particular bouffant of uh, one Bobby Heenan. Does that mean uh, I don't have to grow the mustache? No, you have to grow the mustache. That's the the whole thing is that I want you to grow the shoot mustache. But you can do the thing like like we were saying, where you can grow the full beard and just shave it down to a mustache when we're already in Germany. Yeah. So you don't have to walk around looking like a sex offender. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Well, no, uh, not that you look like one. I, I should probably specify that sounded like I was accusing you of some shit. You don't look like one, but I think in 2019, mustaches inherently draw questions. Well, I mean, we might not get harassed in Germany if I have the mustache. This is true. This is true. By the by, the Lex Luger fan. Oh, maybe, maybe we have our own fans at this stage in Germany. Who knows? Who knows? We could be huge if if Lex Luger is still huge in Germany in 2019. Why not us, my friend? <laughs> Before we get going on the program, um, I I am I am riding alone tonight in terms of uh pairing my thunder with uh, an adult beverage, uh, as Lee has to be up for work in the morning, so that is understandable because uh you know and you, we, you say morning, it's actually in about. Five hours I'll be getting off. <laughs> yeah. Inexplicably, we don't get paid to put ourselves through this. So we're just doing this voluntarily, if you can understand that madness. Um, so Lee's got to keep the roof over the head so you can keep putting out this premium audio content for mm-hmm. all you people. Uh, but I am having a blue moon Belgian white tonight and it is extra cold, which is good because my recording studio is extra fucking warm tonight. Yeah, it, it's very, very warm at the moment in Ireland. It's that like yeah. kind of sticky, fucking dirty heat. Yeah, it's it's awful because it's also raining. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like humid and heavy and sticky. It's awful. But uh, enough about that. Let's just crack on uh, and talk about WCW Thunder episode eleven, dated March nineteenth, nineteen ninety eight, from Terre Haute, Indiana, in the Hollerman Center. Um, we kick off the program with a recap. With, uh, <laughs> With, yeah, with a recap. We're kicking off with a recap. This is the, the, the tried and tested Thunder formula uh, of Sting from Monday Nitro. And it was one of the infamous Monday Nitros in uh, Panama City. and Club, Club, uh, Club La Vila, I think it is. Yeah. I, so, like, look, I, I love an outdoor WCW show. It's the, it's the best shit in the world. Um, just because it's it's so different, you know, like after a while watching wrestling television and wrestling pay-per-views, I'm, I'm sure you'll agree, Lee, that like every indoor arena kind of looks the same after a certain Oh, uh, e- every fucking college arena, every basketball arena, they all look the fucking same. So having the little bit of... Um, variance in that like I, that's why i appreciated we we're recording this a few days after aew's fight for the fallen as well which was very reminiscent of a panama city show mm-hmm. uh for wcw um the outdoor venue i liked it even if i wasn't wild about the show overall but um anyway this yeah this uh, footage from nitro of sting coming down from the chopper in in panama city and kind of i i rue the fact that uh, thunder wasn't being broadcast tonight from Panama City that we couldn't get this but uh, what can you do uh, show kicks off um, Tony lets us know to start the program that whereas we might have thought the NWO turmoil was done after the pay-per-view when um, the cage match set was settled uh, even though I don't know about you Lee 
I didn't think for a single second the NWO turmoil was over. And I think that might be just conditioned behavior that I know that nothing ever really ends in this company. Nothing with the NWO ever ends. No, um, no. Yeah, no like I, we're, I, what, we're, we're approaching two years deep into the NWO angle this in, in a couple of months here on... Um, yeah. It was Bash of the Beach 96. So, like, we're here... We're, a- we're 18 at, months in at least. Yeah, so we're like, we're just at the end of the spring coming towards mm. the summer in 98. So we're fast approaching two years. And uh, yeah, there's no sign of stopping here. Uh, even though like there are, I don't know about you, Lee. Do you feel like some of the, like with this NWO drama, it feels like even though it's being drawn out and stuff like that, you can piece together elements of it that are kind of enjoyable. And that you think in better hands you would have enjoyed the twists and turns of this saga. Oh, if if they had an endpoint and then worked their way backwards, yeah, this would have made so much more sense and would have been a thousand times more enjoyable. Indeed, as it is, everything you just get the feeling is you know going through. That's not going to work for me, brother. Yeah, yeah, it's mm. um so Tony lets us know whereas we thought maybe the turmoil was settled at the pay-per-view, we didn't. Uh Savage declared on Monday his intention now is to win the WCW title and you know, he who has the gold has the power. Uh so he, by, he wants to be the big kahuna. Basically. And who doesn't, Lee? Who doesn't want to be the big kahuna? Once he wins the WCW title, he says he will then be able to lead the NWO. Uh, that means it is official. Savage versus Sting for Spring Stampede, which I think is is very nicely that, you know, you can just book yourself in a world title match. Uh, I just... They're repeating the main event from the last episode of Thunder. <laughs> yeah, essentially. So why do it on Thunder? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, like, I, I have no memory of, of this match taking place. The Spring Stampede uh, one or the one from that we talked about the, two weeks the, ago? No, the, spring, the, spring, the Spring Stampede. <laughs> yeah, like, I have very little memory of that. This kind of stuff washes over me largely once in one ear at the other when we've recorded these fucking things. I only have so much real estate up top <laughs> to remember things. Um, you got to remember that Gone in 60 Seconds scene with, I don't know, whoever was in that fucking movie. Yeah. Nicholas Cage. That is shocking disrespect, sir. Sir Nicholas of Cage is in that movie. Um, yeah, just kind of like I, I'm. I'm kind of. This is one of the the downsides where it feels like we're kind of just rehashing things. Mm-hmm. Like you said, this is only two weeks ago, and one of two possibilities. It's either they knew that this was going to be the Spring Stampede match, and they still did the match a couple of shows ago anyway or they're flying by the seat of their pants so much already in 1998 that they had no idea and then after the last paper they were like oh fuck there's another one yeah. <laughs> and just kind of threw darts at a board and see what names they hit it's almost like they they planned out the finish to the main event that uncensored and went oh shit we're gonna have to put these two in a match now aren't we yeah, it it's it's very much like they're no planning and they're just kind of like you say throwing shit at the wall. Yeah, but we go from the ridiculous to the sublime as uh, from this kind of weird announcement we lead into our first match, which is Super Kalo versus the greatest man to have ever walked the earth, Christopher Jericho. And once again, Lee, it's it's just become a pattern on this show he is just the most entertaining thing on a consistent basis in this company. Yeah, he. I think he's quickly surpassed 
both Goldberg and DDP as the best thing about Thunder recently. Yeah, and I think it seems to be part of it is that I, I don't think anyone is really paying attention to what he's doing, so he's able to just get weird. Um, And yeah, he's just, he's absolutely hamming it up. Uh, He... <laughs> He comes out and he's just dancing out like a complete goof. I'm, I'm already in love with this segment. Someone's holding up a Jericho-holics anonymous sign. Uh, two points about that, Lee. One, Jericho-holics was spelt in a what I can only describe as a very interesting way, not an accurate way. Um, and the other thing is, if you're in Jericho-holics anonymous, the best thing to do about that will be to not hold up a sign kind of defeats the purpose of the anonymity but however yeah but i mean it also became a t-shirt a couple of years later when you went to wwf didn't it F- uh, funnily enough my favorite jericho t-shirt of all time is that jack daniels ripoff one which is the jericho uh, jericho hall mm-hmm. uh xxx strength um and that's one that i i both missed it originally because i was too young to be on wwf shop at the time too too busy uh, buying gone and- in six seconds obviously yeah of course and when he came back in the end of 07 i remember they for a while they they put it back up as a retro t-shirt missed that as well um someday i'll buy that t-shirt someday um i'm sure if you yes. i'm sure if you go to pwts.com you might find something oh, similar almost certainly almost <laughs> certainly um yeah i just love this guy so much he comes out and he gets the microphone but about half a sentence in he go he's like everybody knows and he turns around to penzer and very audibly says where are we? Or what town is this? <laughs> and you hear Penzer go, Terra Haute. And he says, everybody knows that Terry Hutt is my favorite town. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I was deceased at this point. Jer- just, Jer- I... Jericho is full on Spinal Tap member at this stage. Yeah, that is like in the Hall of Fame with Kirk Angel yeah. and Chris Benoit. Like, it's just, oh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, he just he cuts a short promo here. All he does is kind of remind you about his trophy hunting, about his recent successes. Uh, runs down Mysterio and Malenko. Um, and then we have our match. Um, and I love, this is the kind of, the more I watch 98 Jericho, the more different things I appreciate, Lee. And this week, the thing I appreciate is Jericho is like two different human beings depending on whether he's on the offense or he's selling. Mm-hmm. So when he's selling, his his character is that he is both a coward and very annoyed at the idea somebody might try to hit him. <laughs> but when he's when he's got the heat, when he's on offense, he is the most overly confident wrestler in the history of the world. <laughs> Yeah, all he has to do is be on top for five or six seconds, and he's full of that. Come on, baby! Oh yeah, <laughs> like great. He, he does one move, the cocky pin is you know pulled out. He's he's just a fuck. He's a douchebag, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's he's oh, he's, an, he's an awful man, but he's great. Um, what, I love what, him. What did you think of uh, Callow's outfit? Not only does he have the as we talked about before the the Kangol hat and the sunglasses on the mask, mm. but he also has only one leg on his pants. Yeah. And he's missing his sleeve. Yeah. Do you know what I was actually, what I wrote, I, I, I also wrote a point about his outfit. <laughs> and I actually think his outfit is more in fashion in real life now than it would have been in 1998. Well, we'd have to ask somebody that knows about fashion in this day and age. This is why we, this is why we need like a hotline to Zig. <laughs> Zig to fill us in on the latest fashion tips. That would be Zig from the Grit. Damn, I'm gonna get it. I've done it again. Journey through Gorilla Island, for fuck's sake. 
I will get it right next time, I swear. <laughs> At Gorilla Island on Twitter, we retweet them into the feed every so often. I swear to God, like, they're not, he knows... They're not going to listen, so it's all right. <laughs> Lee knows the name of the show when we're off the air. It's just as soon as he has to plug it on the air, all it's like the one kind of, like, blank spot routine. You gun to his head, he couldn't tell you had a microphone in front of him, the name of the podcast. He's- the problem is they're not talking about Scott Steiner, so, uh, you know, I'm not listening. Yeah. You have limited time for things that don't involve Big Papa Pump. Yeah. And uh, understandably so. <laughs> I swear I'll get right next time. Oh, by the way, uh, this is a thing. Uh, I, I don't know if, if anybody saw this, but uh, I, in our kind of ongoing thing about Scott Steiner and uh, him being unable to do the too sweet mm-hmm. thing... Us kind of bringing that up over and over again was kind of, I was hoping that it'd be a nice long running joke to, you know, six months, eight months from now where he finally does the two sweet properly. Um, on Twitter this week, a photo surfaced of him and Jordan Grace at uh, some sort of con last weekend. He still can't do it. 2019, 21 years later and he still can't do it. I think <laughs> fair play to him. We just have Never to accept him for what he is at this stage. And I do. I accept White Thunder and all his glory. <laughs> Don't, you can't call him White Thunder in 2019. <laughs> I am. I am. And I won't stop. You won't stop me. Um, a decent little quick athletic match. There wasn't really much to it. Not worth uh, kind of writing home about uh, hugely. Just kind of Jericho being Jericho. Uh, I, I did like a couple of points from the commentary. That uh, Shivani says that Mean Gene grilled Malenko at the uh, pay-per-view. I mean, that, that's yeah. kind of putting it lightly, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Buried his entire career is how I'd put it. He, he, Made the man so sad he went home and hasn't come back yet. He basically emasculated him. Like, he just... <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, yeah, but... he basically went for two minutes. Dimalenko, why are you so shit? <laughs> um, I, I did like that Lee Marshall like talked down Jericho and said what a dickhead he is. But then also mm. went, but he's a very deserving champion because he keeps winning. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, you know, um, like, I, you know, it's a it's a good, strong philosophy of wrestling. Like, okay, comedy wrestling has its place and stuff like that. And I appreciate it and I love comedy wrestling at the best of times. But for guys like this, like Jericho, he wouldn't have got over nearly as much as he did over the years if kind of he was just nonstop comedy bell to bell as well. Mm-hmm. He had the strong character, but also he was portrayed in a way where, no, this dude is just an excellent wrestler as well. Um... And yeah, he just keeps winning matches, you know, sometimes by nefarious means. But a lot of the time he just wins clean because he's very good. Um, and he keeps and winning yeah, he... with the Lion Tamer. Yeah, which has become such a kind of feared and inescapable move mm-hmm. when he locks it in properly and looks sick as hell. Um, this I had to tweet out about how the the move from this match and the kind of just general appearance of Chris Jericho in my life uh, during this match the shift between that and our next segment <laughs> was so drastic as to make me nearly quit the podcast yeah uh, I, I because <laughs> yeah <laughs> because we went from this to a commercial break and then we were back already in the ring so you know how good it was because I think this is the first time that's happened on this program it is yeah where we, we've come back and both dudes are already in the ring two jobber entrances yeah yeah and it was El Dandy versus Kendall Windham and I swear Lee I know it's going to seem like I'm doing this as a joke but I swear to God for the third time straight I was like oh Horace Hogan's here 
<laughs> you didn't recognize Kendall without his uh, Goldberg look. This time he was in the uh, stonewashed denim, very nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, that, I think he looked more like Horace Hogan because of it. And uh, not only that, but once I realized it was Kendall Windham, I was like, he's either morphing into Horace Hogan, and everyone just forgot that they're the same person, or he is slowly morphing into Tank Abbott. Oh Jesus. He'll slowly get shorter and a little podgier for the next two years until he's, you know, if, in three counts. I was just going to say a fan of three counts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'd like fan. to make a rule on this now, going forward on the podcast. Uh, Go for it. Kendall is not deserving of the Wyndham name. <laughs> so, so we just call him Kendall. So now he's just Kendall. He's just Kendall. Yeah. Like Cher or, or Ronaldo. Or shit. Or shit. <laughs> he is. He is dreadful. Um, Tony says Kendall has come into his own of late but uh, my question on that Lee is hasn't he just been losing anytime we've seen him yeah has he just gone on like a hot streak on, on Nitro or something maybe Saturday night never know. Uh, who knows we may never know looking up things that happen outside the Thunder Cinematic Universe is not our bag on this show so we will never find out it is not encouraged um, but if you want to tell us on Twitter do because Kendall is not being shown in action replays from Nitro, funnily enough. He's not coming out with shoppers on Nitro. Mm-hmm. Um, the crowd is incredibly distracted, as if they needed to be distracted. Like, you know, as if they already weren't paying attention to this match. They're distracted even more by Raven and the Flock coming out. Um, they say on commentary that if you watched MTV Live last night, he attacked DDP and stole the US title because he's showing up with the US title here, uh, even though they're kind of alert. Because at first I was like, oh, fuck, another title change on Nitro, for fuck's sake. Um, but no, DDP is still your champion, just Raven stole the belt. Uh, um, I wish we had been allowed to watch MTV Live from the night before. Oh, and at first I was really sad because at the end of this match they tease that they're going to mm-hmm. show the footage and then they don't and I was like, oh, the- is it one of those things because of the licensing rights like uh, Piper on Walker, Texas yeah. Ranger and we'll just never get to see it? But then later on, they do show us. And we'll talk and about more on yeah. that. More on that and on because it's my favourite thing on this show <laughs> by far. Um, I love the idea that Raven so badly needed to catch some Kendall action that he legs it out to the ring during this match that he's not there from the start of the show he's just like oh fuck Kendall and El Dandy are wrestling I better get down there maybe he's a big fan of El Dandy maybe he is he's an El Fandy Um, Jesus (laughs) I saw an open goal I went for it I have no shame Um, Kendall wins with a running bulldog this was lame yeah, that was awful. Probably probably the worst match that we've had so far on Thunder. Yeah. Um we went from the weird from the, the probably the worst match we've had on Thunder to arguably the wor- or the not the worst, but the weirdest fucking promo we've had <laughs> on Thunder so far. Uh Hennig uh, Kurt Hennig and amateur dermatologist Rick Rude <laughs> are here with Tony Schiavone. Lee, before I get into, because I've written down a couple of quotes here. What the fuck was happening here? I don't know. I didn't take any quotes because I was just very puzzled by the whole situation, to be honest. So, so like, Rick Rude and Kurt Hennig come out, most assuredly up to the tits and cocaine. And Rick Rude starts to cut this promo. 
And it's all under, he really fancies like an analogy to like spots and zits and boils and just skin deformities of all manner here. I, be- I believe he calls um, him Brett the Zit Man Hart. He calls him Brett the Zit Man Hart. He said that we proved that Brett Hart was just a 240 pound boil on the booty of life. And when he said booty of life, I cracked and Tony nearly cracked as well. <laughs> and I have no idea. I tell you what, Kurt Hennig was doing the Lord's work in this promo because how he didn't piss himself laughing during this, I will never know. I would imagine that's because he probably couldn't feel his face. Yeah, there's a, there's a good chance. Um, I, like, because this seems to be the only thing I can think of in my head was that Rick Rude was like, I'm going to try and make Kurt laugh. Oh, it had to be. That's yeah. the only thing I can think of. Like, because it, it's not like I'm going to cut this cool promo that everyone's going to love about Bret Hart when I compare him to a boil. <laughs> um, he also got right. This is perhaps the like the greatest line of a promo uh, in the history of this show so far. He says, you know, Kurt, in a nutshell... I see professional wrestling just like I see the state of Indiana. It's this great big bag of pus. that, And that means that you and I are going to be a Lanson and a Pranson for a long time to come. <laughs> yeah, I I know what Lansing a boil means. I don't know why you'd prance about it. <laughs> no idea, but I mean... <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just... <laughs> it's still I just don't understand and I really and you know what it gets weirder from there go on the whole hall thing oh sorry see I must have still been writing down this quote so t- tell me what they say then so they try and end the segment by playing the music yeah and Rude kind of shoots them a look and yeah. it kind of stops, and Rude is like, <coughs> "Oh yeah." Or, or Henning, sorry, Henning is coughing, and and Rude says, "Would you like a halt?" Yeah, and Henning looks right down the camera, is like, "No," because they're just too sweet, and has the little flick in his hair, like it was a totally pre-planned thing, and I don't get it. I- I wonder, was it? What was? Did they forget the hook of the promo, and that's why there was the awkward silence? He's like, uh, 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 trying to remind them. I don't know. It. It was very weird, whatever it was. But I mean, like Henning, obviously, you see him pulling his hair down while he's doing the little cough thing or whatever. So this was a pre-planned thing. It wasn't just off yeah. the cuff, and obviously we find out that Scott Hall is off TV again for reasons so yeah. is this them saying they want their buddy back or is this them burying Scott Hall is, it's all very weird it's it's all very very weird uh, we, ha- we head from this bizarre segment from which I, I sincerely hope there are Lanson and Pranson t-shirts uh, appearing in the next few weeks um to a match between Perry Saturn and La Parca in a two weirdo hard bastards battle. Um, there's a really, I don't know if you noticed at the start of this match, Lee, but I couldn't help but notice, there is what I can best describe as a young dweeb in the crowd with shirtless with an O painted on himself. Jesus, no. 
presumably at some point in the evening he had friends with N and W painted on them but he has people sitting either side of him and I think it's a case where maybe the other guys got a bit of buyer's remorse and were like oh fuck this and just put their shirts back on but my buddy Mr. O here just he was committed he didn't even bring a shirt to the arena Mr. O Mr. O why not (laughs) yeah why not like it takes a lot to distract me when Park is in the ring because he's a very animated man but this I couldn't help but go on a flight of fancy about this Um, Um, did you notice Leparka got pyro he did and it seems something I've noticed from the the last couple of shows and the two shows that, that we just most recently watched are there seems to be no rhyme or reason to who gets pyro from week to week and what the pyro exactly consists of either. <laughs> Once again, a lack of planning on all fronts. Yeah, I wonder if the case like the pyro guys are just like, someone comes out, flip a coin, do they get pyro? And if they do get pyro, they just hit a button. <laughs> what does this button um, do? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, what do you think of this match? They kind of just beat the tar out of each other for a few minutes. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it like it wasn't good. But, no, it was real kind of like it was like a, like a wild kind of brawly kind of affair yeah, it was, for it was, when it lasted. Like it wasn't like a lucha kind of bloody brawl around. It was just kind of these two guys yeah. in the ring, not quite battering each other, but they weren't far off. Um, yeah, and like it, I suppose it's it's worth noting that even nineteen ninety eight, like La Parca, was quite limited. Yeah. You know, you're not going to have a big technical hoss match with Big Perry here. Um, I, I did like uh, Saturn at one stage has Leparka in the corner and is laying in a couple of high kicks, like literally onto the temple of Leparka. Yeah. And I was like, damn, like, I think um, I think of all the lower mid-carders we've seen on the show so far, Saturn is like by far the best. Yeah, for sure. I got it. I have such great time for Perry Saturn. And like the more I see him... Uh, entertaining me on this show the sadder I am that he was never really a bigger deal uh, than he turned out to be the finish of this match comes with a kind of as far as um, somebody being hoisted by their own petard mm-hmm. with a chair goes this was kind of a creative one it wasn't quite the Kurt bonking off the ropes and hitting himself in the head with a chair but Laparka gets the chair uh, goes to swing for Saturn Saturn drop kicks him and the chair head first into the mm-hmm. turnbuckle which I thought was quite a cool looking deal um, then he hits an outri- again Perry Saturn uh, over this show and the next episode of Thunder as well reminds you of what a strong lad he was because with no effort at all belly to belly overhead on La Parca straight into the rings of Saturn uh, tap out the, the most interesting part of this um, match was on commentary they mentioned that DDP was on uh, MTV Live for a specific reason yes he was in a Stuck Mojo video. Oh, I did not get. I did not pick up on this part. So obviously, I'm guessing you know who was in Stuck Mojo. No, I don't think I do. Oh, okay. So you know, you obviously know who fought. Bear in mind, I was. I, I don't think I had. I hadn't turned eight yet. Well, you've you've when... read Chris Jericho's books, haven't you? Y- yeah. But like most wrestling fans, you probably skipped all the music chapters. Yeah, by the second <laughs> book, it was much handier because it was literally, it was completely divided into yeah. wrestling chapter, music chapter. So I read half of a good book. Um, basically, I remember from the first book, uh, 
Stuck Mojo was somebody and Rich Ward who went on to be one of the founding members of Fuzzy with Chris Jericho. Ah, they were like a rap metal band. Weren't I they? have no fucking clue. I think th- I think they were like a proto rap metal. I remember the name. I remember like, the name, Mojo, and I remember them being like a thing, but I have no I recollection. Have absolutely, like. My God, I'm just looking. Sorry, I just Googled their discography as we're there. And their 1998 album, Rising, I'm pretty sure has the art of the WCW United States Championship on it. Oh, wow. Okay. Or very similar. Just it's a very low res photo I've got here. But it, it's reminiscent anyway of the US belt. I believe I believe um, your man Rich Ward was a wrestling fan. So that would probably be the connection. Yeah, that would make sense. And yeah, the, the people also search for here came up as fuzzy straight away. Um, but then, speaking of MTV, we get the greatest goddamn segment. <laughs> and this is, like, this kind of weird-ass, like, peak 1998 shit is exactly why I wanted to do this podcast in the first place, Lee. This, this, the world was so weird back then. <laughs> and you're saying that with 2019, I was just thinking that. Yeah, because, like people you know we kind of forget a bit i certainly do like wrestling was not proper mainstream but it was pretty damn mainstream and it was mainstream like i i remember something happening and it being on sky news yeah (laughs) like this is this is like what two or three weeks after wrestlemania 14 Mm -hmm. so tyson and austin had been happening over the last few months like this is you know, it wasn't long before this, Austin and Goldberg were on like the cover of TV guides. Yeah, things like we're, that. We're about like a year and a half away from The Rock just becoming this this cultural icon. You know, it's um, fuck, like it's just it's a it's just a surreal time to look back on where there was this kind of mainstream acceptance of wrestlers as celebrities and not just the kind of two or three that's that go off and have an acting career like John Cena, Big Dave, and and The Rock now. Um, I bet you never thought you'd be talking about Carson Daly, though. No, and, like, Carson Daly just, you know, he wasn't as huge a deal over here in Ireland, unless maybe by the time I was watching MTV, he wasn't, and he had been before, but he was definitely a huge deal in the States in the late 90s. Oh, yeah, sure. Like, I remember he's mentioned in a lot of rap videos, (laughs) or rap songs. Yeah, Eminem wasn't a fan. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah, he just like he's the face of MTV during mm-hmm. this era uh, when there were faces of MTV when MTV was a thing. Um, what is MTV? What is fun- MTV these days? Uh, I don't know. I know it still exists. Um, but it, that's is like it just I couldn't all them like Geordie Shore or Jersey Shore, um, like fucking T yeah, that- Mom. That kind of stuff. I don't think I've watched an MTV station actively since back when like. MTV Two still existed and was a good like alternative rock station, uh, and actually had music videos most of the time. Um, Does MTV Two not exist anymore? No, they rebranded them all at a certain point, like MTV Hits and stuff like that. And well, they may not have in the states. I don't know what it's like over in the states now, but they certainly did that over here at some point. They rebranded everything. For all I fucking know, they've rebranded it back again. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but this is MTV Live, which seemed to be like a kind of. It was in their Times Square studio, their famous Times Square studio. Mm-hmm. So 
either this was a, was it t- t- a proto TRL Total Request yeah Total Request Live yeah was the big flagship MTV mm-hmm. show so I don't know if this I don't know the exact history of TRL whether this was kind of a proto TRL or just a TRL adjacent show I think maybe it was probably the latter because I think someone like Kurt Loder or someone had TRL I feel before Carson Daly but TRL was never really huge over here but wasn't uh, Kurt Loder again. more of MTV News yeah um again like we d- we saw very little of the mtv yeah. us stuff over we, here we had mtv like it was UK. pretty much it was pretty much wall-to-wall music videos mm. for a long time um and they do like the movie awards and the the european music awards of emas and um god what else would they do sometimes um they'd have zane lowe doing his, his interviews and stuff mm-hmm. like that and then eventually there was a trl uk and which was really bad um <laughs> I think the first actual TV show I remember watching on on there was probably Jackass. Yeah, well, obviously I'd seen other stuff, but that that's the one that sticks in the memory most. It it'd be when I think of TV shows on MTV, uh, late nineties, early two thousands. I think Jackass and I think Daria. Um, those would be the two that would stick in my mind for sure. Daria, which was a show that I enjoyed at the time because I was uh, a child and it was a cartoon. And when I revisited as, as an adult, I was like, oh, this is hella dark and hilarious. I, I've never watched it, but I might actually seek it out now. It, oh, it's super dark. And it, it, like, it, it actually aged quite well, I think. The animation, maybe not so mm. much, but the, the humor has definitely aged quite well now that we're in a much kind of more cynical period in history. Mm-hmm. But anyway, MTV Live uh, seems to be like Carson Daly's uh, talk show. And he has a couple of guests on the couch. And the guests on the couch, uh, DDP is there, and two men I did not recognize for a good 30 seconds because they were just tiny baby men. <laughs> it was so many years ago. It was Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins of the Foo Fighters. I, I wrote down Dave Grohl because obviously I got him in. And I knew Taylor's name. I knew it was Taylor. I couldn't think of his last name. <laughs> Yeah, and this was like short hair, barely any suggestion of facial mm-hmm. hair, Dave Grohl. That's how long ago it was. Uh, and also, we had just missed Matthew McConaughey. And this would have been like first era of Matthew McConaughey, not the McConaissance of the last few years. This was like, all right, all right, all right, McConaughey in his prime. Um, so I'm sad that he wasn't here to react to this. Um, that would be da- you know, dazed and confused, Matthew McConaughey. Indeed. Um, so I of the things like obviously all these men have aged since but I think the thing that has aged probably the worst from this segment of uh, Paige talking to Carson Daly is yeah I know what you're going to say Paige's (laughs) Paige's use of the phrase banged you got banged you got banged he got banged (laughs) um it's kind of weird because like I remember 1998 and it definitely meant the other thing as well at the time oh yeah 100% meant that thing over here <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't like oh it was 5 or 10 years before people would be using banged in the other context nope they were using it at the time and Paige just still fired away because he said he got banged and one of the Foo Fighters cracked I could hear like a chuckle and there was a lot of chuckles happening during this segment um Raven kind of like interferes with the television signal, hacks. I was in. just gonna say, do you remember Solomon Crow from NXT? I was gonna say, <laughs> oh, shades of Solomon Crow, <laughs> the world's worst hacker. And he even says, What's with the interference? 
Ooh, I can do spooky lights. I am Solomon Crow. <laughs> um, and I look like a troll doll. Um, so Raven hacks in and he cuts kind of like a very disappointing promo for Raven because we've said he's mm-hmm. had a couple of good ones on Thunder. And I felt this was a little bit cringy and a little bit tropey and a little bit kind of just too reliant on the what about me, what about yeah. Raven catchphrase. It was just very windy. Um, yeah, very like it, this was the la- this was the thing people hated Raven mm-hmm. for eventually was just how whingy he was. And that was like, this was peak whingy Raven here. Uh, he cuts a promo and then much in a manner like how Dusty Rhodes snuck around like Elmer Fudd at the pay-per-view, <laughs> Raven sneaks up on the couch behind DDP and of all things has brought his stop sign with him and hits him with an unprotected stop sign that like rattles him in the skull with the stop sign. Um... Carson Daly and the Foo Fighters run away, but you can hear people on set just laughing, yep. which really kind kills of... Kills it. <laughs> oh, it really kills it dead. Um, and then he hits him with an even flow through a really kick-looking coffee table, which must have sucked for Raven. Hey, so a couple of weeks ago, Sean Spears hit Cody with a chair shot to the head. Yeah. It was nowhere near as vicious as this fucking stop sign to the back of the head. Nope. No, he, he, there was like, like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. I bet there was an exact outline of Paige's yeah. head dented into that stop sign if you could grab and it. And then, like you say, you take into the account that that was an actual coffee table that they had yeah. to go through. A shoot coffee table. Uh, but thankfully, at least for that spot at the very end, the Foo Fighters stopped laughing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, I loved that segment so much. It was fucking surreal. And hey, the good stuff just continues with the next match, doesn't it? With Barry fucking Darso. In the year of our Lord 1998, Barry Darso is here versus Beefy Da Ray Trailer. I'm so glad to see Ray back on the program. Love this, him. This is your 1990 WWF offer match. Yeah. How old would you say Barry Darso was here? Because I looked it up. 1998. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Uh, now, now, without trying to do any math, ah, come how on, old did he look? I'm not gonna fucking... Oh, he looked well. How he old? looked like he looked like late forties, but mm-hmm. I'm gonna say he was in his late thirties. He was thirty-seven. Dear, the road will own dear you. God. Um, so he's only what fifty-seven now, fifty-eight. Uh, 58, so yeah. he, he just turned 58. He's just about the right age for a main event run in WWF now. Indeed, or a main event run back on Thunder <laughs> again. Um, there was a, My main note during this match was that the camera crew were wearing really cool Thunder hoodies that I wish I could buy now. Yeah, I noticed that on this and the next episode, they all have like the Thunder t-shirts now. Yeah, now Lee, this was a classic, what I would call, da battle. And a, a subject that has come up more than once in our group of mates at the wrestling is if you had to book a promotion exclusively rostered by Daz. It, it, yeah, a roster of your da. Yeah. Who would be, well, let's say your top three draft picks. Worldwide. Worldwide. Oh, okay. Well, let's say 
you can from any time period you have a time machine at the draft oh, oh Jesus this makes it hard well I have to take because, I have like, to take uh, the ultimate uh, da the ultimate Irish wrestling da he has to be forced has to be Bonesaw has to be Bonesaw he's number one the king of the Daz. Num- a man who I a man who I once in a flight of fancy fantasy booked showing up in a da tournament in WXW <laughs> and winning a belt <laughs> uh, number two would be do you know what I'd take current day Dr. Wagner Jr. oh for like a bit of a handsy oh, yeah. dad he's, he's the dad that everyone fancies just a devastatingly good looking how dad. has that man been hidden under a mask for the last fucking 30 years like a fine wine he, he, what what a man Jesus uh, number three in your da draft yeah hmm I could go with another current one because there's one I really like in New Japan. Go on. But I won't. I think it has to be Big Boss Man from post-corporation run. Would this be... uh, Like Heat Run, Heat Era, Bull Buchanan. Cutting a... Cutting... uh, Reading out a poem about how Big Show's dad is dead. post that. Era. (laughs) Oh, when he's got when he's got when he's like totally given up Buchanan yeah. with him. When he's taken Bull Buchanan yeah. under his wing, a young B squared, trying to keep him off. The I, I think they'd be your your top three dads. Yeah, that is a, that is a strong dad roster. Uh, you... uh, please do tweet us at WCW Thunderpod with uh, your ultimate wrestling dads. Uh, just they can either they don't have to be a dad, but they have to have that dad energy, or at the very least, the dad bod. <laughs> And there, are, to be fair, over the next couple of weeks on Thunder, there are plenty. Of and if any Scott Norton has prime die mm, energy, if anyone suggests Conan, they're getting blocked. <laughs> we don't make the rules; we just follow them here on Days of Thunder. Um, yeah. So uh, there's not really, apart from me trying to think of best as in wrestling, there isn't really much to say about this match. Uh, Ray wins with his Bossman Slam, which at this point is called a trailer trash, which popped me, which is an awful fucking uh, name. <laughs> Yeah. Um, why when... I, I don't know why, like, every so often I love that the D- WCW camera crew try to get arty. And when Ray Trailer wins, like, they attempt these weird, like, Dutch angles as <laughs> he's celebrating. Like, just shoot the man celebrating. You don't have to, like, start, whoa, with the camera. At least they weren't doing the fucking shaky cam. Yeah. Um, Tony announces at the end of this match that they have an announcement but he, from WCW management but for some reason in spite of the fact of being handed to him presumably from WCW management he still needs to confirm during the ad break you got all them false uh, false sources Tony Tony is, really ascribes to that DTA philosophy <laughs> he needs to do he needs to double confirm every source to make sure it's got to be in them Twitter um, DMs confirming sources with certain people and his uh, his announcement is an announcement of an announcement uh, as he announces that Piper will be on Nitro to issue a challenge. Um, we also notice over the break, uh, Lee Marshall has been replaced with uh, Mike Tanay. You know what that means. Which means, go- <laughs> which means the two lads are out of their depth. It's either going to be Lucha or Martial Arts and they roll the dice and it's Martial the Arts. Martial Arts division is back. Yes, it is. As Yuji Nagata, with Sonny Ono, because of course he is, takes on Prince Ayakea. Um, and yeah, I, I all caps, martial arts division is back, mm-hmm. baby. 
Um, Prince immediately starts by doing a martial arts pose, which confirms that this is, in fact, an official martial arts division encounter. So I, I was thinking, from this point forward, we should recognise a martial arts champion. Oh, I love it. The linear the martial, linear arts, martial champion. arts champion. Oh, I love it. I absolutely So I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it. a ruling that f- this match, Prince Oyake, Yuji it, Nagata, was the title match championship match oh Lee I'm so excited I really I'm, like, I'm genuinely so you didn't tell me you're going to do this I'm so excited that we're going to keep track so of this so <laughs> from now we will have a WCW martial arts champion until the end oh. of WCW oh I'm so excited I can't and wait knowing that we know who wins this match this championship yeah. is going to get weird yeah, it's going to get weird. And I think we should establish a ruling now because it's WCW and people are just going to start vanishing mm-hmm. from the end of this year, start next year. So if somebody vanishes, we will award the title to their last Thunder opponent. Yeah, okay. That's, that sounds like a yeah. good rule. Okay, cool. Moving on. Well, we, um, we never, yeah, said, so we we never said who won. <laughs> oh, no, no. Well, no, moving on to the match oh, itself okay. rather than our establishing of a new WCW title. Um, Yuji Nagata just his withering look at Ayakea doing his martial arts poses is brilliant. Yuji Nagata has never knowingly been impressed in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, It's just a real what the fuck is this sort of expression on his face. And I am absolutely to here To be fair, I, I think the tell same what, thing when I see Prince Ayakea, so. Tell you what, 2019 Yuji Nagata is prime Da Federation he, material well, he, as he well. He was the one I was going to pick. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, Nagata is just for most of this match he's just beating Prince Ayakea up and I'm absolutely yep. fine with it um, at one point Prince tries to fire up with palm strikes Nagata just takes him down like <laughs> like a ground and pound and wails on him um, I thought the finish of this match was really weird it was bad um, Sonny Ono goes to distract the ref even though Yuji Nagata was already winning the match quite handily at this point um, Nagata goes to whip Prince into the ropes. Uh, Prince reverses the whip. Sonny, who can clearly see it's Yuji Nagata heading towards him, uh, still throws out the kick, kicks the wrong man. Prince Ayakea hits his uh, Northern Light suplex and wins in the shocker of shockers for me. Bear in mind that uh, but that Sonny Ono is standing in front of the referee who can see his leg. Yeah, they can both see that it's Yuji mm-hmm. Nagata and that he's thrown a kick at him. And it should absolutely be a disqualification. But however, your inaugural WCW martial arts champion, Prince Ayakea. So Lee is going to keep track of that one. And I'm very excited. I'm, I'm not keeping track of it. <laughs> For God's sake. <laughs> For God's sake. Um, our next segment, we had a replay of Giant and Nash from Uncensored and of... Uh, I didn't realise it was 1998, but one of my favourite images of all time from WCW, uh, Hall and Nash in their Hawaiian shirts, escaping via cannonball into the pool. (laughs) Yeah, this, like... It wasn't even highlights from Uncensored, it was the most random clips from the match. Yeah, yeah. Not highlights, just lights. (laughs) And uh, obviously it ends with uh, Kevin Nash proclaiming himself as the 1998 cannonball champion of spring break and you know what based on the footage I'd find it hard to disagree with him well he perfect he was the only one we saw so I mean by default he is the champion 
Well, he intimidated the rest of the roster. Nobody else wanted to try. And Scott Hall's shirt was clearly far too fabulous to ruin by cannonballing into a pool. <laughs> One of the commentators said, I believe Scott Hall didn't jump in because he can't swim. Yeah. <laughs> Even though the pool is, what, like three or four feet deep by the looks of it? That's good. That's, uh, oh. I hope that's continuity now for all the spring breaks. Um... A moment during this ne- next segment where I realised someone looked like somebody else and utterly ruined me for the whole match and it's the only time during this block of episodes where I took a break. I had to pause for a couple of minutes because I couldn't stop laughing. Um, Brian Adams versus Marty Jannetty and during Brian Adams' entrance I realised have you ever watched Trailer Park Boys? No, I haven't. Okay, can you Google something there okay, for me? Okay, hang on. Type in Trailer Park Boys Julian. I'm going to get arrested for this. No, you're not. Trailer Park Boys <laughs> Julian with an A. And that is who Brian Adams looks like. It's one of my favorite shows. And I can't unsee it now. It, it, uh, I fucking cried with laughter. Ah, uh, for um, fuck's sake. <laughs> doesn't he? Doesn't he? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's uh, Marty Jannetty versus Julian. And, uh, Marty Marty's had a rough time in 2019 over the last couple of weeks um, he's clearly like just has not stopped hoofing cocaine into him in 21 years and it like it is both sad and like grimly hilarious as well did you see his Facebook post I saw a bit of it where he basically, like, the real sad part, which is like, you know, he's sorry that his daughter doesn't like him, that he's estranged mm-hmm. from him. But he's basically like, but you have to understand, I love cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, did, did, did anyway. you, obviously you listen to the Grapple podcast, uh, Spotlight. I do. I have only listened to the first 45 minutes, I think, of this week. Uh, one of my absolute favourite mm-hmm. podcasts at the moment, the, the Grapple. Great lads, obviously, as uh, well. Spotlight. Great lads. Three absolute gents, even if one of them is a monster and hates roast dinners. Listen, I'm on Team Joe on that one. Roast dinners are overrated as fuck. But... You piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> this podcast is over! Anyway, going back to my point, a classic, uh, a couple of episodes ago they talked about Marty Janetti was over for a con oh yeah no yeah. not a Marty Janetti con an actual comic con <laughs> and yeah. uh, Benno mentioned that like the event organisers gave him a mic and just let him talk and oh, Benno said it yeah. got weird <laughs> I'll bet it did <laughs> like real weird like uh, he was on stage with Brutus, Brutus Beefcake and even Brutus was looking at him going Jesus Christ man the mystery man was looking mm-hmm. at him. Oh dear. Um, so it was a pretty naff match uh, between Julian and cocaine spokesman Marty Jannetty. Um, Columbia's favourite wrestler. Yeah. Um, Medellin's favourite son. Jannetty uh, <laughs> couldn't develop an advantage on the big lad tilt a whirl from Adams for the win. That was essentially it. Was that the worst finisher we've seen so far? Uh, I would have to say so. I would have to say so. Oh wait, no, maybe um Jim Duggan. Oh yeah. I forgot I forgot <laughs> yeah. about that. Shockingly, yeah, I know. And rightly rightly so. Um 
they showed another replay of Sting coming out with a chopper and it just screamed to me of, we paid a lot of money for the helicopter, <laughs> so we will fucking show you twice if we want to. Uh, was it then that they showed that Bischoff was almost blown into the water? Yeah, oh, Bischoff selling <laughs> the uh, the wind coming off the helicopter was like putting in a, a better shift as a worker than most of the mm-hmm. roster here. Like proper selling, like it was a typhoon blowing him into well, the Well, you can see the, gr- see the crowd with their paper signs just standing in the background, totally unaffected. Yeah, yeah. No one else <laughs> selling it. It's brilliant. Look, I will always insist. Um, say what you want about Eric Bischoff, the businessman or the human being, and many people have said many things. <laughs> um, but Eric Bischoff, the wrestling character, brilliant. Yeah, oh, he's a top top notch character. I love him both during like this run as as Hogan Stooge and financer of the NWO um, and uh, his later run as GM of Raw as well. I love just a smug I, I think Raw GM Eric Bischoff is probably one of the best. He's probably the best GM in WWF or WWE history. I would have to say so unless you really enjoy tag team matches with The Undertaker. <laughs> Uh, or actually no that brief while where Kurt was Smackdown GM and was just like crazy and in a wheelchair insane yeah that was, that was a good run yeah that was good stuff um, next match we have Sikosis versus Eddie with Chavo uh, this was a fun little match I thought uh, back and forth uh, Eddie goes for the frog splash Psychosis attempts uh, a superplex is blocked and then a frog splash to the back for the win there's not really much else to yeah, say about no, that but it was enjoyable it was a decent little couple of minute match and it, again just establishes that Eddie's kind of a step above most of the cruiserweights yeah for sure um, he's just uh, he's just sublime what what a talent he was and it's not a, not a secret by mm-hmm. any stretch Um Next, we have stop me if you've heard this one before. Raven versus Brad Armstrong. Um, <laughs> the match never even starts as the flock just immediately jump him. Raven says Brad was offered redemption, but he will never forgive DDP for what he did. Um, did Did you notice Lodi's sign? What did Lodi sign? Brad, you better call someone. <laughs> now I'm trying to think. Was this New Age Outlaws era when they were doing the intro? Uh, so, 1998 it yeah, would have been wouldn't it yeah because Wrestlemania 14 had the New Age Outlaws yes, versus Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie so, match so there you go we did it Cactus <laughs> um, I I love I thought about more about the stop sign thing during this <laughs> and I just love the idea because it was a very clean stop sign that he had on set so I love the idea that Raven flew into JFK with the stop sign in hand luggage and got on the subway with the stop sign all the way to Times Square. And I doubt it would have been the weirdest thing they'd seen. No, definitely not. MTV in 1998 is definitely fucking not. <laughs> um, next, we had Scott Norton versus Chris Benoit. Uh, Norton got the jump early, as is kind of like the, the hackneyed heel NWO guy trope, is that they jump you at the bell. So he he jumps about the bell, beats like he lays a pretty significant beating on Benoit here early. Like Benoit is, for a couple of minutes isn't getting anything in here. And I thought like is Norton gonna squash him? Are they building him up for something? Mm-hmm. Uh, Benoit finally gets an opening, uh, hits the release German suplex, which just looks amazing. Get, get uh, gets a mega goes, pop as well. Mega pop for it, absolutely. Um, 
it's headbutt, crossface. <laughs> He's in the crossface for ages, and then it becomes abundantly clear that Vincent missed his time cue to get up on the apron and distract You the obviously missed Norton while in the hold with his hand, motioning for Vincent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think Vincent, I Vincent he was, was on tapping the out at first, and I was like, "Who's he?" Other side of the I ring. Completely forgot Vincent was there. Yeah, God, he's just. Oh, and now Vincent, he was trying to sell something to somebody in the front row. Yeah. So this obviously doesn't go to plan. Um, and they kind of when Vincent eventually gets in, the guys break it up. Uh, they tussle for a little while, and uh, Scott Norton hits the the shoulder breaker for the win. Um, and it just reminded me. Shoulder breaker always reminds me of. Do you remember the time um, <laughs> two icons of professional wrestling interacted on Twitter, The Rock and Rovers? <laughs> no, I do not remember this interaction. The Rock tweeted something, and a friend of the show, Rovers, <laughs> tweeted him back and say it's not as embarrassing as having the shoulder breaker for your finisher. Because you remember The Rock yeah, had I that remember, for like yeah. a like a hot second, and uh, The Rock quote tweeted it and said that it popped him huge or something <laughs> like that. Well, now we know where uh, old Trev gets his scoops from. What a world. Love the lads. Love them. <laughs> so um, does that mean uh, Robert will have interacted with future President of America, Dwayne Johnson? Uh, yeah. Fair play to him. Fair play to him. Um, then we had Goldberg versus Wayne Bloom. Uh, better known, I imagine, to most people as Bo Beverly. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the first mention to my recollection uh, Lee of the exact yep. tally quote unquote of the streak and we will keep track um, of these because they get fairly fucking ridiculous fairly quickly yeah they sneak it's not like so you know to inflate a number like that mm-hmm. you might sneak in one or two wins here or there like they quickly lose the run of themselves with this streak but according to uh, Brain I think it is his Tally stands at 55-0 and 0 before this well, match. Well, Brain had asked Tanay because, you know, Tanay oh, knows that was it, it all. Yeah. Oh, because Tanay has the know-it-all. That's it. Um, Goldberg hits a full Nelson slam. This is pretty much, this is all that happens in the match. I was able to fit it on two lines in my little copybook. Full Nelson slam, knee, pump handle. Uh, Bloom fires up a little bit. Uh, he hits a rebound spear out of the corner, which just looked like he mm-hmm. killed him. Um, jackhammer and it's done um, then just at the end a tease of something very interesting the first possibly uh, good uh, potential for a, a, a decent long Goldberg match even though I'm sure that wouldn't happen in the end there was a tease of Saturn getting involved the crowd really liked this idea um, yeah now Goldberg uh, stares over at Raven I believe and then that's when Saturn hops the rail yeah and so Saturn gets in, uh, Tease is getting in, but this is cut off by the Starburst Fruit Twist replay. <laughs> yeah, they, Which is they love a replay. We need to keep track of on this show because, my God, the names of these sponsored replays are getting re- more ridiculous by the week. The Starburst Fruit Twist replay of the, the Goldberg match. Um, then we have Kurt Hennig versus Rick Steiner, accompanied by Ted, of course. This is your main event, we should um, say. Imagine that. Think of that um, roster of people they have. Yeah. Like, I suppose at least it's furthering on a couple of stories that are going on, you know? Mm. That's that's what we can say at least about it. 
Um, so Kurt Hennig versus Rick Steiner with, with Ted. Uh, as the match starts, I was immediately distracted because a man in the crowd uh, on the hard cam just pulled up his top and started slapping his belly, Kamala style. <laughs> what was he, what, I don't know what why was he, he trying to this. say? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I've got no fucking idea whatsoever. Just hypnotic slapping of the belly going what, what on. What do you think of uh, Rick Steiner's look at this time? Um, I had much more problem with it. It was the show after this. I won't get into it, but I, I took strong exception to his gear um, the week after. But um, certainly his, his entrance getup with the collar and the jacket very much reminds me of the, the Arrested Development joke. I want to get something that says, Dad likes leather. Oh, you mean leather daddy? <laughs> it, it is a very leather daddy look. Yeah, it it's... I don't like it. Maybe maybe it was of its time, I don't know, but like the odd colour boots, the the leather singlet, the dog collar. Yeah. The head the headgear. At least Rick himself is pretty cool and throws dudes around the place. So I can get on board with, with Rick throwing people mm. around. Uh even if not his gear. Um Steiner starts pretty strong until he gets to the top rope and uh Rude comes in and crotches him for the DQ. In comes Big Ted, throwing hands. Popped huge for that. Um, Rude then chokes Rick with the, with his tie. Um, I love that Heenan, Heenan pops for the tie coming off. Yeah, the tie came off. Uh, he started choking Rick Steiner with the tie. Uh, Kurt tries to continue the beating. Uh, Rick suplexes and pummels him. Then we have the, the usual NWO schmoz. Uh, out comes uh, Adams, Norton and Vincent. Then Ray Trailer kind of Numbers like in. power walking <laughs> behind them. Um, Vincent brawls with Ted, which is brilliant because like obviously that's paying off a, an angle from years ago in a different More company. WWF continuity, and, yeah. Yeah, but they completely missed the start of the brawl, so there isn't a chance for you to react to it. Like when they finally cut to them, the brawl is already in Before progress. you continue on, did you think this went on way too long? It did. Um, and then and I, think, I bet you you lost your shit because I fucking did. <laughs> oh my God. This was like, in some ways, the fucking best ending to a Thunder yeah. so far. It left me so pumped. It's why I went straight into episode 12 afterwards. Oh, that, that's where you um, went wrong, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. We'll talk about that on the next show. Um, fucking Goldberg plus fire comes uh-huh. out. He comes out, he spears everybody, double spear, spear. He's going mad. The crowd are going fucking bananas. And it's the first time that you have Goldberg kind of breaking out of his, just running through guys that are putting in front of him. And as the commentators put over, the Gold- Goldberg has the NWO in his crosshairs. And I got fucking chills. I was on my fucking feet as soon as he came out. I lost it. I did not, I didn't think this was coming so soon. No, neither die. Like I know it's 1998. We know what happens mm-hmm. in 1998 with Goldberg and the NWO. But yeah, again, I didn't know it, it's it's this early in the year. I, I didn't remember it being this early in the year. Like I said, the crowd goes crazy. I went crazy. Lee went crazy. He fucking murders everybody, and then, and then he leaves out of the place as if as if to go. I am coming for the NWO, and you aren't going to be able to stop me. And I would. If I was in 1998, I would have been throwing my wallet at the TV going, I just want to see him run through the whole fucking yeah. NWO. It's going to be amazing. He, he, um, trailer and Rick pick off the survivors and that's the end yeah, of your show. Goldberg was like the total difference maker in the brawl. And I love yeah. that while he's murdering the NWO, I think it's Shivani that just screams, who's next? 
Yeah, and yeah. that's like you've There's had like you've had the. It feels like every week part of the mm. mythos of Goldberg is starting to be pieced together. They're throwing stuff at the wall and it's finally all sticking yeah. together. And I, I, I fucking You had the it. victim count in the in the match. Then you have Shivani screaming yeah. who's next. And it's just like, yeah. oh, I was like, yes, this is it. This, this is it yeah. now. So good. I was so pleasantly surprised by the end of this show because as we've often said, our, our good friend Aaron Furious told us that it was after episode 10 that things really really start to take a nosedive mm-hmm. and there definitely was a lot of bad stuff on this show that's for sure I'm not gonna not gonna beat around the bush about that but this ending was so strong this is obviously like why they would have such gems in amongst the trash in WCW that it just was enough to keep you hooked and mm-hmm. keep you wanting to watch more and, and uh, do you know what stuff. really put it over it yeah. happened that Goldberg you know destroyed the NWO and then they showed a replay of it yeah. instantly just to really solidify yeah. the point that Goldberg came out destroyed him and just left yeah oh dude I, I fucking love mm-hmm. this shit um, anyway that is episode 11 in the books Lee our final little bit of business here give me your winners and losers from Thunder episode 11 oh, there's only one winner it's Goldberg yeah Goldberg and us yeah. for getting to enjoy that uh, losers I don't know anyone in the fucking mid card. <laughs> El Dandy for being associated with Kendall and having to, to lose Kendall. to him. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I would say my winner uh, is also Goldberg, but I I would put in a strong shout once again for Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a very enjoyable man and the other winner is that entire MTV segment. <laughs> and uh, yeah. My my loser is Kendall by far. Even though he won, even though I think it's going to be just funnier and funnier every time he shows up, um, because he is like a slight gimmick change every time you see him, and as well as that, like I have literally no memory of this man, and if he turns out to have been a much more significant part of WCW programming than I remember, that will really really surprise. Will he me. ever earn enough to get back the Wyndham name? We'll have to listen and find out. Yeah stay tuned um, that's going to do it for another episode of Days of Thunder we will see you in two weeks talking about uh, episode 12 uh, of Thunder on the, the road to spring stampede at WCW Thunder Pod is the Twitter account um, where you can keep up with our content interact with us on there give us your thoughts on this show on our next show on any show your list of DAS is something we want to hear in particular um, re- top wrestling does uh, over the next two weeks and we will we'll thrash it out on, on the twitter.com and if if we get a couple of good ones I might read them out on the next show but um, yeah um, that's pretty much it I'm at the day to Dave on Twitter Lee is at Malone underscore 713 um, it is piping hot here <laughs> in the recording office here on Thunder Road so I'm, I'm excited to bring this show to an end uh, we shall see you in two weeks for episode 12 Breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside you